0: This is the Pain Information Network, and it's 51. Well, this is great. We're on episode 51 and I don't know where the halfway mark is with this show, but it's great that we've gotten this far and I really appreciate the feedback. A lot of good feedback as you noticed, I've kind of merged a couple other podcasts in here just to get some interest up, just to see what you like and the feedback has been really good. So visit us at what Me. that's kind of a quirky little World According to Me podcast and Office University. Tell your folks and friends about Office University. It's uh, with Judy Holmes. She's an attorney and I talk with her as well and can you imagine putting a doctor and a lawyer in a room together. Well, we do it and we try to figure out how to make the office environment a little better. I mean, it's, it's a complicated world out there. And as far as pain goes, come visit me at paininformation.com and go to iTunes. Please leave a review. It really helps me rank. That's iTunes and an organic review is always appreciated. Put down there what you want to put down there. And what I can do to make this show better. I just appreciate every bit of feedback I get. So today, Andrea Trescott, always a favorite, has a special guest. She's mentored and has been affiliated with this special guest. And she is going to talk a little bit about her book, too. It's a big deal to publish a book. A big deal. And she's done it. And it's going to be a landmark book. So we get to listen to her. She's always been a favorite of the show and a favorite of mine in life. Let's get to it. We're at the American Society of Interventional Pain Physicians, and guess who I found? Andrea Trescott. Who's sitting to the right of you, Andrea?
1: I have Dr. Agnes Stogitza from the University of Washington, um, an amazing rising star in pain management.
0: Yeah, you know, the, she just showed me her new book. Andrea has a book, and guess who helped her on this book? So I'm I'm looking at this chapter, and it's pretty bedazzling. The amount of work that went into this book, and I've watched the transformative history of this book take place over the past couple of years. It's a stunning contribution to medicine. All right, Andrew, tell me about it.
1: All right, so it's peripheral nerve entrapments, the clinical diagnosis, and treatment. And so it starts out with Section 1, which is, you know, how do you do the physical exam? What are you looking for in the history? What kinds of medicines can you use? What are the injection techniques and the surgical techniques and the neurostimulation techniques and the neurolytics? And so that's the first section. And then after that, we have sections on... On headaches, face and neck pain, uh, chest wall pain, upper extremity, abdominal wall, pelvic pain, uh, lower extremity. And in each of these sections is a chapter on an individual nerve. So uh, the supraorbital nerve, the spinal accessory nerve, um, and at, in each chapter, we talk about the physical examination, oh, sorry, the, the clinical presentation. And there are pictures of patients, or actually my daughter, who was the model in this, would be pointing like a patient would point to where they were hurting, uh, colorized in areas in the body that the patient might say was hurting, the, um, the physical stigmata, the things that you would look for, like wing scapula or atrophy of this particular muscle. There's a ph- section on the physical exam. There's a section on the differential diagnosis and the things that contribute to the entrapments and how to prevent, how to fix them um, so they don't keep coming back. And then um, the injections using landmarks, or what we call blind injections, injections under fluoroscopy, injections under ultrasound pictures of all of these techniques the surgery the um, neurostimulation if there's some the cryoneuroablation and uh, and complications and so that so 77 chapters of uh, from head to toe of each of these individual nerves
0: i'm unaware of any book like it and so let me be shameless here um, <laughs> uh, the reason i'm promoting her book and i am promoting it uh, i i don't receive anything. i doing this for a lie Nor friend. do I, actually. <laughs> but, and there's a lot of truth to that. People, we don't get rich on these books. And considering the time effort, they're a, an incredible drain on what we call our professional time, but they're an incredible contribution to mankind and society. That's the point. So this informational podcast is both for um, providers of pain care and for those that receive it, you know, I think we talk to both. We speak to both. So the point is, if you're a patient and you feel like, you know, I'm not getting forward and I've got all this pain and my doctor needs to hear about this book, Yup, he does, and, or she, sorry. <laughs> and um, then, again, those uh, uh, providers, uh, uh, physicians, nurse practitioners, PAs, Et uh, even physical therapists, they really need uh, to have this book at an arm's reach. There's nothing like this book. So I've been in this business a long time. I know the good books, the bad books. We go to these meetings, and the booksellers put out their wares, and it's table after table of books that are real yawners. This is no yonner, so <laughs> Andrea. Uh, all right, a shameless plug for you there. Well, thank but,
1: you very much, Hans. I really do appreciate this. It, it's so as, exciting. As you know, this started out as a series of lectures, and people would students would come up after the lecture and say, "Wow, that was really great. Can you tell me where I can find a textbook that where I can find this stuff?" And uh, there wasn't one, and so finally, twenty years later, I decided to go ahead and write it. Uh-huh.
0: Whew. And uh, it's, there's nothing like an author seeing their work uh, hit, hit them in front of their face with a book cover, saw the book cover, <laughs> and the realization that it's truly getting published. There's nothing like it. No feeling in the world. <laughs> well, let's talk about this young lady to our right. Uh, and tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: My name is Agnes Stogica. I'm a physician from Budapest, Hungary. And I have been practicing at University of Washington in Seattle for the last six years. I am an associate professor, training some fellows and residents, doing lots of chronic pain, a little bit of acute pain, and even less regional anesthesia and anesthesia.
0: You know, uh, there's different levels of uh, professional advancement, and that's impressive. You're moving up the ranks. Are you going to be academic for your whole career?
2: No, we'll see.
0: Yeah, that's a we'll see. I like that. I like the we'll see. Uh, Andrea has uh, gone in, gone out, and now she's up in Alaska. Andrea, tell us um, what you're completing in Alaska.
1: Oh, well, we're just doing a, a surgery center. Um, the the second surgery center we've done in Alaska will be actually technically the third. Oh, so.
0: that we're just. <laughs> oh, we're just. Building a surgery center with all the regulatory uh, hoops you got to jump through, that's a big deal. And it's Alaska.
1: It's Alaska. Who knew? I'm a Floridian. I really didn't expect to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Dr. Stogitsa and I have worked together now for almost 10 years maybe, and longer than that maybe. And so the, um, she is, uh, has really taken a lot of the ideas that I started with and has advanced them into, um, into a real exciting kind of treatment. So one of the things that she's quite doing very interesting work on is on inguinal pain after hernia repair.
2: Yeah, uh, chronic groin pain and inguinal pain is a very commonly encountered condition after hernia repair and after C-section. Some of the data says it's even up to around 20% after surgery. And these patients are really debilitated. They usually have constant groin pain. They don't like to use their belly muscles. They absolutely don't work out anymore. They don't like to carry stuff. They don't like to be constipated because that pushes their belly out. It really makes their life much harder. And you've had you've been able to identify on
1: a good number of these patients where their pains actually coming from and do something about it. So how do you
2: figure it out? Uh, generally, a good physical exam matching with a history would give us an idea about the nerves that sit in that region. The most famous nerves are the ilioinguinal, iliohypogastric, and genitofemoral nerves, and they all give several branches. And doing diagnostic injections, which means putting a tiny bit of local anesthetic on a specific nerve, would give us guidance if that actual nerve is responsible for the pain or not. Well, what if you've identified that you found the nerve, and the local anesthetic makes the pain go away temporarily, but it comes back, then what do you do? So that is what patients usually very commonly have. They often come after trying diagnostic injections and steroid injections. And one way to take care of the pain, I wouldn't say permanently, but more permanently, is to do cryoablation, for instance, which is happening with a bigger needle that is capable of forming an ice ball at the tip. So we are freezing the problem nerve away. And you've had a lot of success with that, I understand. I wouldn't say it's 100%. I wish it was. Uh, But with a very careful diagnostic injection, careful uh, physical exam, some patients really do have a lot of benefit. And now we have patients who just regularly return every six months for a good freeze because it keeps them functional, keeps them off their opioids, keeps them working or working out. Yeah, so you've given these patients their lives back, which must be very gratifying.
1: It is fantastic when it happens. So, it all has to do if you can figure out what the problem is, if you can make the right diagnosis, then we have a chance to to help people. And unfortunately, groin pain is not a diagnosis. Post hernia pain is not a diagnosis. Those are all symptoms, and our job is to try and figure out what the actual structure is. All right, Hans.
0: Andrea, um, all right, I'm going to put you on the hot seat here. Um, Pick your favorite nerve. Uh, You're you're going to be the peripheral nerve guru of the world. (laughs) And so um, I want you to pick a nerve, and it's your favorite nerve, and it's not doing well. And conventional medications, the gabapentinoids aren't doing anything. Some of the other medicines aren't doing anything. Pick it and treat it.
1: Well, I guess I would have to say that my favorite nerve is the clunial nerve, or to be more specific, the superior clunial nerve. Oh, I knew it. This, you knew that. <laughs> this is one that um, I found many, many, many years ago in my residency. I was doing anesthesia. My very first rotation in my residency was the pain clinic. And unfortunately, the pain clinic at my university was where the attendings got sent if the if the chair was mad at them because they, got, they were sent there to be punished so none of the attendings liked doing pain management none of them knew much about pain management and so they just sort of left me alone and I would examine these patients and there were a group of them that would, if I asked them to show me where they were hurting they would point to the top of the iliac crest so if you put your hands on top of your hips um, where, and thumbs in the back just about where your thumb would hit would be the place where they would be hurting when I'd examine them, and, um, and I'd say, well, okay, anatomy. There's a muscle there, the quadratus lumborum muscle. And I thought, well, maybe it's a tendinitis. And we treat tendons with steroids, so I'd inject some a little bit of steroid there, and miraculously they would get better. And it's sort of like, hmm, okay. But then I realized that it wasn't just on the tendon, because this muscle's pretty wide, and started going back to the anatomy books and thought, my goodness, there's actually a nerve there. And um, so then when I... Uh, So I started injecting it, started treating it, and a good number of these people got better, but there were still some ones that wouldn't. They would get temporarily better, but I couldn't get it to stay away uh i set up a pain clinic in the navy and the first thing i tried to do was to buy a cryo machine and of course the navy laughed at me uh, 1989 i guess and um, so when i went out into private practice that's the first thing i convinced the hospital to do was to buy a cryo machine and i would start freezing this nerve and the um, there were lots of there were several other pain doctors in the community and one day one of the doctors was doing a lecture for the recovery room staff and of the city, And somebody innocently asked, can you tell us about the clunial nerve? And this guy stood up, uh, and I, many not- nurses came back to me to tell me this, so I believe it, stood up and said, I've never heard of the clunial nerve. My partners have never heard of the clunial nerve. We don't think the clunial nerve exists. So, of course, that got back to me. I made a picture of the anatomy books that showed the superior, the medial, and the inferior clunial nerve and faxed that out to all the hospitals. But, um, Zingo. <laughs> Zingo. So started freezing that nerve, and a group of people who had had pain after surgery or had had back pain and their MRIs were unremarkable, we were able to identify that particular nerve, and that's what got me thinking about other nerves. If that could happen for the clunial nerve, where what other nerves could be involved? And that was the beginning. That was the beginning, as they say.
0: You know, that is right on. That is dead on. Um, if you think it, therefore, it is. And a lot of pain doctors get. Uh, well, all doctors they get very, they get very settled into their belief system, and they refuse to leave the box. Um, but you know, sometimes uh, these young gun- guns are. Um, real forward-thinking people like Andrea that apply <laughs> clinical now knowledge. Now I'm a young gun.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're a young gun. You
0: apply <laughs> clinical knowledge to a practical problem, uh, you get solutions, and that's how medicine moves forward, and that's why we've got your book.
1: Well, that's that was at least the start of it, and so the rest, as they say, is history.
0: Well, awesome. It's great talking to you both, and um I know uh, we'll talk again, Andrea, and I
1: hope to have Miss
0: Agnew on, too. I mean, this is fun. you you got you to gotta kind of, like, wrap your arms around these podcasts, don't you?
2: <laughs> I'm still learning to deal with those. <laughs> thanks.
0: <laughs> here, hold the microphone and talk. That's what I do. <laughs> All right. You guys have a great trip here in sunny FLA. <laughs> Bye now.
2: Bye-bye. Thank you.
0: So thanks for coming. by. And we'll see you next week. And I really love the feedback. Love hearing from you. And Andrea does too. Andrea is a big part of pain medicine in the world. And her input is appreciated. Her soul is appreciated. And once again, we'll see you soon.